Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? What's up, you fucking gents? It's your boy Danny. Yeah, kid. Yeah. Uh, hope you're having a nice Friday so far. I'm recording this on Wednesday. Whoa, Danny, don't tell them when it records. No one cares. No, literally nobody cares. Um, thank you for tuning in. I am uh, excited how the pod is going. I've been doing a solo pod for like two months now. And um, it's really nice because people are listening and uh, sticking with it and shit like that. And uh, it means a lot to me. Thank you. I have little going on in my life right now I'm besides looking for a job and sitting in my new studio apartment. So this validation <laughs> and camaraderie that I get through this podcast, well, I guess it's not really camaraderie if it's just me talking. But, you know, the you know what I mean. You knew what this was. Have you guys ever seen that family guy where uh, Peter has an affair with Tinkerbell? And then she's like chirping at him, like in his ear, about not calling her back. And he goes, "You knew what this was." So funny. Um, all right, so I thought I would break this down into three quick parts today. We'll make this quick. We'll make it fun. It'll go down like a spoonful of sugar, Mary Jane. Um, first, I want to share some feedback that I've gotten since uh, the Danny Palmer show launched uh, a couple months ago, and then I'll tell you a quick story about a redneck experience that I had in high school. And then I'll close with a quote. Oh, you guys, cute one. The benediction is a quote. Does it help if I modulate my voice like that? Whoa, I was going to turn this off, but then he started making his voice go into different directions vocally. And then I thought, man, this is quality material. Not really. All right, so here I'm just going to read these, and then we'll just uh, we'll just go through it. So th- th- it's just nice that people were to tell me what they think about this, you know? Because some of my friends are like, dude, you fucked up X, Y, and Z. But some people are nice. So somebody told me that the Maddie Smith interview hit their soul and they appreciate it. Um, and then, oh, my brother, Ben Palmer, shout out to Ben, said I've got a huge people of a huge network of people that love you. So you're going to have a pretty awesome show. Really nice thing to say. Oh, this is bad if I'm reading positive feedback about myself, isn't it? But I don't know. Dude, please, for the love of Christ, send me some fucking negative feed, John. I'll read it on here. I would I would prefer to read negative feedback. It's more entertaining. Um, all right, so that's good. Some, I don't know what that means. You got it. Um, well, my friend Eric said I listened to your latest podcast on the way into work today, and I was like, "Am I falling in love with this guy?" Which is a nice thing to say, but then it turned a little bit harsh because he was telling our friends uh, in this group text, "I feel like Danny's years of abject failure." have provided me with fleeting moments of entertainment during a morning commute. <laughs> Thank you, Eric, I think. And then um, I guess he was talking about listening to the interviews that I do versus the story time. He goes, I'd prefer to hear about a decade's worth of miserable life failures narrated in 18-minute bursts. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. You piece of shit. And then uh, Christy Vera, the controversial Christy Vera knows, she... um. She was on my Space What the Fuck Dude episode a couple weeks ago. This is feedback from her about us. <laughs> this is too, uh, probably too much navel gazing, navel johnning. She goes, I'd, uh, dude, honestly, I listened to it and thought it was so funny. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I thought it was good too, Christy. Who knows? I'm not ever reading feedback again. This seems weird and vain. Um, oh, and then my friend Jared, in reference to the interview I did with, Lynette Palladino this week said 10 minutes in and this girl is interesting. First time someone is talking more than you. That's good. And my friend said uh, she was super fascinating. I agree. Lynette's great. 
There we go. Look at that, guys. We got right fucking through it. Right through the gen. All right. So now I will shift into telling you a story about when I was in high school. I'm trying to think, like, do I have a lot of interesting stories? I think I have a decent amount of interesting stories. This is probably the most uh, the most interesting one from high school, maybe. So, we, you know, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. I was the oldest of four. My parents, uh, we were like a lower middle class family. So when we went on vacations, we would typically drive somewhere out of state. We we often went to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and North Carolina. And it was fun to go up there as a kid. You know, you're like, well, this is different. So one year, we went up to Franklin, North Carolina. Not Franklin, Tennessee. That's like a suburb of Nashville, I learned. Because I forgot where Franklin is. There's two Franklins, guys. Um, and then my Uncle Bill, which is like my mom's great uncle or something, him and his family came down too. So it's basically two families. We had a minivan. Uncle Bill had a van. These are the basic details you need to know for this story. So we drove from the cabin in Franklin, North Carolina, down to Hiawassee, Georgia, to attend the Georgia Mountain Fair. I thought it was a Georgia State Fair. I looked it up today. It was a Georgia Mountain Fair. So Hiawassee is this beautiful town. And um, we went to the fair all day, and I rode down in my, uh, I think I rode down in my Uncle Bill's van. And then we went to a gas station. And at some point during this whole exchange, we went to a gas station after the fair to get gas and then head back home to North Carolina to our vacation home. So I told my Uncle Bill that I wanted to ride back in my dad's car for some reason. I think I had my book in the other car or something. So basically what I wanted to do is switch riding from Uncle Bill's van on the way down to the fair to riding my dad's minivan on the way back to Franklin, North Carolina. That's all you need to know. I was thinking about how to tell this story before I told it, and I'm like, wait, what about the details on the... Danny, nobody fucking cares. All you need to know is there there were two cars, and I decided to ride home in a different one. So we go to this gas station. It's probably like a mile from the interstate, and we go... In, I, I loved Mountain Dew. I would always buy like six packs or 12 packs of Mountain Dew. So I went inside and bought a six-pack of Mountain Dew, and my dad and Uncle Bill were in line ahead of me to pay for their gas... And I was only there for the Mountain Dew. Definitely not a redneck. I'm a huge redneck. <laughs> Dude, I used to drink like a fucking 12-pack of Mountain Dew a week. One time I drank a 12-pack of Mountain Dew on a boat during a scuba diving trip. Like that's too much Mountain Dew. Well, some would argue. So um, so I buy my six-pack of Mountain Dew. Now, remember, I'm like 16 years old. This was in the fucking 90s. Nobody had cell phones. You know, you just, you were kind of on your own back then. And I bought my six pack of Mountain Dew, walk outside to get back in my dad's minivan. And I just watch the minivan and Uncle Bill's van just take off onto the access road to the interstate. And I'm fucking 16. And I don't live there. And I don't really know where I am. I've never been to Hiawassee, Georgia. I've only been to Franklin, North Carolina like once or twice. I don't know where the fuck either of these cities are. I don't know where the cabin is in North Carolina. I don't have a phone. I may not even have had a license. So now I'm just standing there with a six-pack of Mountain Dew, staring down the road, watching the two vans, you know, drive away. And I literally have no idea what to do and as i'm watching the cars i look to my right and i swear to god i see this lady in a camaro pretty cute she has two kids in little league outfits in the back of her camaro 
And she witnessed this entire thing. She saw exactly what happened and she saw the look on my face. And I kind of looked over at her and she goes, you just got left behind, didn't you? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, hop in. Let's go chase him. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to ride with strangers. And I'm like, I don't have any fucking alternative. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. They could go all the way back to North Carolina and not come get me. It's just a lady and her two kids. How dangerous could it be? So I'm like, okay. So I hop in the car. <laughs> it was the most insane, like, half hour or whatever of my life because now I'm just with this lady who was pretty cute. I'm not going to lie to you. And these two kids in the back and the two kids, you know, they're nice kids and everything, but they're just like, they were confused because like, mom, we got to go to Little League practice. And she's like, we got to, we got to take this kid back to meet his family. You guys are going to have to wait. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so here we go. So dude, she hauled fucking ass, got in the interstate. I mean, I don't want to exaggerate, but I think she was probably going like 90, a hundred miles an hour trying to catch up to them. We crossed the state border from Georgia into North Carolina. Fun fact, Georgia and North Carolina border each other. Each other. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? You would think it would just be South Carolina. It's also North Carolina. <laughs> so we're, we're hauling ass down the road. And now it's just like, now the situation has changed in, in the fact that like, I'm just a passenger in a car and you're just riding in a car with people. So I think we started to talk about our lives and I was like turning around and looking at the kids in the back and asking them like what position they play in Little League. And I guess I was just a part of their family <laughs> for like 30 minutes. So finally we get to North Carolina I mean, dude, my parents and Uncle Bill, against their defense, they, they had literally zero clue that what had happened. I mean, I you know, each one thought I was in the other car, but did you not want to maybe like double check to make sure your fucking kids were in the car? I'm not still bitter about this 20 years later. That's insane. Um, all right. So then we finally we get to North Carolina and finally we come across my Uncle Bill's van and now we're like right behind him. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank you so much. I just assumed that they would immediately kind of see that there was something, some activity going on behind them. So she kind of like honked a little bit, like beep, 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 you know? And then uh, they didn't respond to that. So then she, we were probably going about 45 miles an hour. It's like windy mountain roads. She then flashed her lights, no response. So now I'm feeling like bad that my family doesn't like really does not care about me. Like maybe they left me on purpose and they don't want me to go back to North Carolina with them. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I looked at the lady and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I felt like my family was being rude to her. <laughs> so then I, uh, I leaned out the passenger side window, like half of my body out the window. And I started waving my arms back and forth going, Hey, uncle bell, grandpa, grandpa. And my, this is the legendary tale in my family because my grandpa Radigan was in the passenger seat of the van and he looks in his rear view mirror and he goes, Bill, some redneck's trying to pass you. Hey Gramps, it's not a fucking redneck. So uncle Bill finally looks in the rearview mirror. And he's like, Oh my God pulls over and uh, you know, they pick me up and then obviously, and also my parents didn't even know about this until we got back to the cabin. Like we had to like fill them in on this insane event that had occurred because they had no clue. In conclusion, my parents are bad parents and they should be in prison. Just kidding. They're great. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's like, you know, you know, when you go have like Thanksgiving, Christmas dinners and you're like, remember when Uncle Bill left? 
It's kind of one of those stories. Should I get rid of story time? I might get rid of it. Um, so what was this other quote I was going to tell you? Okay. Uh, but you know, it's just about the about the getting left behind story. It's it's kind of, you know, obviously if I had a cell phone and my parents had a cell phone, none of that would have occurred. We would have just I would have just instantly texted them. They would have seen the text. They would have turned around. It would have been solved in about five minutes. But because we didn't have cell phones, because technology wasn't as advanced back then, it led to a much, much better story to tell years down the road. I mean, it kind of reminds me in Seinfeld, like, I think they said, like, like 80% of the plots in Seinfeld would would not make sense today because they could just be solved with a cell phone. Um, so, hey, man, sometimes it's good to look back and nostalgia. Okay, Danny. No, I... All right, so what was I going to tell you? Okay, so I read this interview today. No, no, yeah, it was an interview. Um, the New York Times, don't judge the name of the paper, okay? It's fine. It's just, this is non-political. Um, they had this series of interviews with religious people from, they had um, a Jewish person, a Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, I think those are the major ones, Muslim, um, and they had people talking about their faith and somebody wrote in and said, Hey, why you guys are only interviewing people about their, you know, sorry, interviewing people from a faith background. Why not interview an atheist too? So they're like, yeah, you're right. We should interview an atheist. And the topic was what happens after you die. So this atheist had a lot of good things to say. Um, but I really, I'm not an atheist. I'm agnostic, but he, this quote, okay, let me just redo this quote because it's pretty insane. They were basically talking about what if human beings could be immortal? What if you never died? So he said on the one hand, um, I'm sorry, he said on the other hand, I cut this off to the start of the quote. I'm just, I'm just giving you the good part of the quote, okay? Here's the quote. On the other hand, without mortality, our lives would eventually become shapeless. If we live forever, as some philosophers have pointed out, it would be so difficult to sustain our enthusiasm for even many of our most significant engagements. To see why, we need to recognize how long immortality lasts. Here is one scenario that is used to see this. Imagine a desert the size of the Sahara. Every 10,000 years, a bird comes along and plucks a single grain of sand from the desert. By the time the Sahara has been cleared, not a single flicker of immortality would have passed. <laughs> Dude, how fucking crazy is that? Also, that is an excessively long amount of time. Every 10,000 years, one grain of sand from a Sahara? And after all that's done, it's not even a quote-unquote flicker? Good Lord. It, it kind of reminds me of... Uh, you know, they say the universe is about, I think, 14 to 15 billion years old. So, like, everything since the birth of Jesus Christ has been, like, the last, like, hour of New Year's Eve, which is fucking crazy. So, I mean, I, I guess I don't really have a, like, telling life lesson to pull from that. But, you know, I guess when, when you think, oh, man, it sucks. We only get a certain amount of time here on Earth. Well, the alternative of being truly immortal, like, what the fuck? I mean, I could see, like, for the first, like, few hundred years, you're like, yeah, this is great, man. I'm getting wasted. <laughs> I guess if you if you were immortal, you could just get hammered and high and just do cocaine and like, oh, man, you know what? Fuck that. Wait a minute. If you can get, if you can do coke like every night and a ton of heroin, 
and get wasted and be completely high constantly and have no regard for your actions and then you still get to be immortal, that could be a super sick party. But I guess the point is every party comes to an end and isn't, uh, every party at some point, you no longer want to be at the party, right? Like if you're at a party and it's like 9.30 the next morning, unless you're like severely blowed out, you kind of want to go home. Although I've heard about those, uh, I haven't been to Berlin. Apparently there's some like famous nightclub there where people party for three days. I might do three days. Don't you think after the like second day, first day, you would wake up kind of sticky? Like if you slept at all? I guess they're doing so many drugs that they stay awake for three days. But I don't know about you. After I sleep, when I wake up, I'm like, uh, you got that sleep film on you? Dude, three days, hard pass on that. Hard pass. So I won't be going to that three-day night, three day party at the nightclub in Berlin anytime soon, even if it wasn't COVID. Oh, look at that, Danny. Right at 17 minutes. Right at 17 fucking minutes. There's really no need to like stall to get to 20. You know? 17's a nice number. I was probably about 17 years old and that story happened. Anyways, um, thank you for listening to The Danny Palmer Show. Uh, my Instagram, Danny Palmer NYC. You can listen on all the major platforms. You're supposed to do like a CTA, like a call to action. Whatever. <laughs> if you want to send me an email, it's dannypalmercomedy at gmail.com. Um, I'm excited about the guests coming up in the upcoming weeks. Stay safe and warm, you fucking chance. Thanks for listening to The Danny Palmer Show. Remember, if you're a hot chick, want to get coffee, maybe a cocktail, LMK.